0: So, yeah, thanks for having us here this morning. It's really good to be with you. Um, I'm from the People's Church in Partington, as Jonathan said, and uh, that's a Baptist church just down the road, and i uh, been there eight years now, which is a bit crazy. Time flies when you're having fun, and in case you're thinking, he looks a bit rough this morning, um, <laughs> we've got three children that are five and under, so... Our oldest was five in April, the middle one was three in June and our youngest is eight months old and uh, I was actually due to preach here last October but we had a kid instead. So so some people will do anything to get out of a speaking engagement, won't they? Um, but it's really good to be with you and uh, you know we're really delighted for you as a church that Jonathan and Claire are here. And we're, you know, it's great to have friends around the corner. So we really appreciate that. Today's Father's Day. And my preach is absolutely nothing to do with Father's Day. But (laughs) wherever you're at, God is a Father who loves you. You know, who as we turn in faith to Him adopts us into His family as sons and daughters. Uh, He's not distant. He's the perfect Father. And you know, sometimes our view of God can be skewed, uh, can't it? I heard a quote once from someone who said we spend our whole life recovering from how our parents brought us up, which was perhaps a little bit depressing, but, um, but actually you know, God is the perfect father, he's the ultimate father who, who loves us with an everlasting love, who's got plans and purposes for our lives and who wants to involve us in his plans and purposes for the world. And it's with that in mind that I want to speak today from an Old Testament passage, uh, one of the prophets, and uh, hopefully it's a passage that will challenge us and inspire us and encourage us. It's uh, Ezekiel 47, starting at the start, and uh, we're going to get straight into it and then work through it. Is there a glass of water somewhere? Just right down the bottom. (coughs) This one. Interesting, wasn't it? So, so, this is Ezekiel 47. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw, saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand but now it was a river That I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows there will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh so where the river flows everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to En there will be places for spreading nets the fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean but the swamps and marshes will not become fresh they will be left for salt Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve as food and their leaves for healing. Bless you. Okay. So, let's get into this passage. Um, Let's put that there, we don't want that sound to happen again. Uh, I've heard this passage preached on a number of times in the past. Anyone else heard this one preached on? Maybe? A few of us? And uh, whenever I've heard this passage preached on in the past, I've heard it spoken of in a sort of Holy Spirit experiential type preach. Along the lines of, uh, where the river is, is God's presence. True. And the question is, how deep are you going to go? You know, the river, are you in up to your ankles? Are you in up to your knees? Are you in up to your waist? Are you so into God that you're swimming in the river? And, you know, the question being, are you going to go deeper? Are you ready to go deeper into God? That sort of vibe. Um, But actually... I think this passage is not primarily about how deep are we in the river, uh, but actually it's firstly a passage about God's mission, about God's plans and purposes. And uh, actually for those first believers, this could have been quite a shocking or challenging prophetic image. Because the river does represent the Spirit of God, the presence of God at work. But the question for me is not, how deep are you going to get into the river? The question is, where is the river going and what is the river doing? For those first hearers, it would have been a bit of a shock to the system though because God's Old Testament people were very used to the idea that God, uh, God's presence was with them in their place wherever they were. So, you know, fire by night, cloud by day, in the tabernacle, You know, God's presence dwelt with them in the tabernacle. Uh, As they travelled, God's presence was with them in the Ark of the Covenant. Once they were in the land, God's presence dwelt in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. God was with them, wasn't he? God was with them. Then, of course, in Israel's history, there's the part where God's glory departs from the temple. But just four chapters earlier, Ezekiel prophesied about The glory of God returning to the temple. So if you were one of God's people, that was a great prophecy, wasn't it? The glory of God is returning to the temple. Praise God. Yet, four chapters later, of course they didn't have chapters in those days, there is a picture of God's river leaving the temple again. It's a bit weird, isn't it? I thought he just said, the glory of God was coming back. And now, the the river is flowing out of the temple so what's going on and what does this say for us today and how might this speak to us here in Lim this morning so uh, a few things that came to mind I've got to say I've preached in many churches but I've never had water with ice in it in the past I mean this is this is incredible so thank you What's going on in this passage, this isn't exhaustive, but this is what came to mind today. There's there's loads in this passage, but I just want to leave us with a few thoughts for us this morning. Uh, The first thing is that this was not a rejection of the temple, but it's a picture of God's work beyond the temple. The spirit of a missionary God flowing out beyond the physical walls of the temple. The temple was the source of the river wasn't it? The temple was where the, the water started flowing from and then going out from. God's glory in this image is flowing beyond the temple on mission bringing transformation in the surrounding area. And that's an amazing thought for the people of Israel because the temple was where people met with God. If you wanted to encounter God, you brought your sacrifice to the temple and the priest would mediate for you between you and God. It was where people met with God, where God did his work. But here we see a prophetic picture of God at work beyond the boundaries. New places, not just in the temple. And the first thing that I'd offer is is this. We don't have a physical temple today. In fact, Paul says, doesn't he, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that actually the life of God is at work in and through us. We also have lovely church buildings. This one being particularly lovely. And we may have loads of programs that we run within the building. But the first question that I'd want to ask us is where is God at work outside the building? Where is the spirit of God seeking to change lives outside the building? For Israel, this was a mindset shift. You know, and it could be for us too. Instead of come to the temple and be put right with God, it was see the river flowing outside the temple and see God bring a transformation in a new place. Where is God's spirit leading beyond the building? Where is God at work already beyond the building? If you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, where has God placed you beyond the building? Because actually, we probably, hopefully, don't spend most of our lives just in this one building, do we? But that we're placed beyond this building to represent God in the world. So, where's God at work beyond? And where are you placed beyond? Because there's a spirit flowing beyond the temple and actually you're a temple carrying God's presence out into the community. I'm not saying this is where Lynn Baptist Church is at. Please don't hear that. But I read a book not too long ago and it was about a church that had started out with really good mission intentions. I think the word now would be missional. But uh it got really big. It got really successful and it just ended up trying to sustain the machine of the church, being a church that was geared up to keep church going and its program. And I guess the question I just want to ask us is this, have we become so busy doing churchy things within the building that we have no time to live the Christian life beyond the building? You know, I I have friends. I have friends. And uh, I know it's hard to believe. But, uh, you know, like I think if they saw my life, they might never want to be a Christian. Not because I'm really depressed, but because I just look really busy. It's like, give your life to Jesus and you can stop having fun and you can go to six meetings a week. (laughs) If that's the message we're sending out, Are they going to be rushing to the altar on their knees? I mean, maybe they are, if the Spirit of God's at work, but do you know what I mean? Have we got time in our lives to connect with those who don't yet know Jesus, to see the Spirit of God at work beyond the building and to get involved in that? What would happen if we said, let's just sack off all our stuff for a month and connect with our neighbours? And our work colleagues. And our friends. Who don't know Jesus. If we could actually connect with people beyond the building. And beyond come to this program. And come to this stuff we've got. And just live the Christian life. And maybe today. Our loving father wants to draw our attention beyond the building. Outside the building. So that we can follow his lead and get involved in what he's doing outside the building. Where is the river flowing through you? And how is your being an ambassador for Christ outside the building doing? Because we each have responsibility uh, to carry that, don't we? We each have responsibility. It's not, it's not, so I've got a movable one of these at our church. I'm used to just moving it. But um, it's it's not Jonathan's job to save everybody. It's God's job to save everybody. But actually we can lead people to God, can't we? We all carry that responsibility. Uh, Which leads me to the second point. Verse 6, God speaks. Son of man, do you see this? Do you see this? Observe the river. That's the point. Observe the river. Do you see this? If the first point was where is God at work, the second is, are we stopping to see? Son of man, do you see? Does anyone here feel busy? in life, a few of us but we're so humble we're not going to put our hands up Um, sometimes we can be so busy doing our thing or doing what we've always done that the answer is no I don't see You know, God's going son of man do you see what's going on and we're going no God I'm just really busy, I don't see just really hope that God's in what we're doing don't we, I've been there maybe I'm the only one Spent loads of time preparing something, planning something, thinking through all the stuff, and then you give it about two minutes of prayer before the event and go, God, we really need you to, to just show up today, please just bless what we've planned. Is that just me? It's just me. Okay. Um, instead of waiting on God, God's saying, do you see this? Do you see what I'm doing? Do you see what's happening? And then getting involved wherever he's doing it. I was on a retreat day this week. Which was very nice. For newly accredited ministers. And we were in the lakes. And we had an amazing day. Beautiful time looking out over God's creation. And part of this retreat day. We were made to stop. We were made to stop and pause. And look at the world. And it made me realise. How out of the habit of stopping. I've become. You know, I was there. Going. I've looked at this lake for three minutes now. What's next? What are we doing next? Has anyone sent me a Facebook update? What time is it? The lake is not doing anything. (laughs) And that's the point, isn't it? That's the point that you stop. Have you lost the art of stopping? Have we lost the art of stopping? Is Is prayer life a shopping list of God I really need you to do this and this and this and this and please bless what we're doing. We're so busy God we've not got time to pray but would you bless it because it's in your name. There's a massive difference isn't there between God would you bless what we're doing and God where are you at work and what are you calling us to and what are you drawing us to. Where is the river flowing And then next, have we got eyes and ears to see? Are we we making space to stop? Slight sidetrack, but it's on the same theme. I think we can be living at such a pace, we can just have our senses dulled to the stuff that God wants to draw our attention to. Because on the good side, you've got the beauty of creation. You know, the person leading us on this retreat was probably thinking, why is he looking at his phone? Stop. But you've got the beauty of creation. You've got the wonder of the cross. The truth of God's word to hold tight to. And God's saying, do you see this? On the other side, the negatives. You've got the injustice that's all around us. Lives oppressed by sin. People living with a false view of God and themselves. Addiction, apathy, hopelessness. And maybe God wants to draw our attention to some of that and say... Do you see this? Because maybe God wants to call us to respond to some of those things. Our oldest, uh, our boy who's now five, we were watching the telly and an advert came on for water aid. And uh, it was water aid or something like that. And uh, my boy's going, Daddy, why are all those children so skinny? Daddy, why are all their stomachs sticking out like that? Dad, why are there flies all around them? And, you know, it really made me stop and think because as a grown up, I see those adverts and go, it's another advert for someone in need. And become dull to it, don't I? And my boys, they're going, Dad, what's this about? And I'm going, Well, son, some people have no water. And for two pound a month, we could change that. But we change the channel, don't we? Go, oh, it's another another kid. They're giving us the eyes, it's another kid. Son of man, do you see this? We can become dull to it. Dull to poverty, dull to pain. Dull to to death. It takes the death of, of an MP for people this week to go, stop, hang on a minute, this is getting a little bit crazy. Third thing. Where the river enters the sea, the salt water becomes fresh. Complete transformation. I mean, let's have a think about that for a moment. That doesn't work, does it? In the natural, that doesn't work. If the, if you have some water, quite like this, and you add a little bit of vimto to this, you will get slightly cloudy water, won't you? Just a little bit of impto is all it takes. And this will change. It will become become less than water. Or more than water, depending on your view. Um, The sort of squash that church history is littered with, actually, looks like orange, tastes like water. Um, But... (laughs) In... The Dead Sea... I'm sure you don't have that problem here in Lim though. And uh, I look forward to trying that later. Uh, the Dead Sea, in this vision, is very salty. I'm told it's very salty. I have swallowed seawater and then thrown up afterwards. Anyone else done that? A few of us. Thank you for standing with me. I was, I was on honeymoon... And there was a pedalo involved. And I looked really manly uh, after that. But the Dead Sea is nearly ten times as salty as the oceans. Plants, animals, fish do not flourish there. They, They can't live. They die. Hence the name. Dead Sea. There's nothing there. But in this picture, where the river flows to the sea, the river does not become contaminated or mixed with the salt. The salt water becomes fresh. Naturally, that's impossible. It is, isn't it? Because of that point of, you know, you at least get, well, that's a bit salty, that's a bit fresher. But God says the salt water becomes fresh it's a picture of the miraculous power of god's spirit at work in the most impossible unlikely dead places the darkest most, most deathly places the point being where god's river flows there's complete transformation miraculous transformation salt water that becomes fresh that's a miracle it's the, the miraculous power of God. And there's two things for us uh, from this. The dead sees a place of death. Nothing can live there. God's spirit flows and brings life where there is death to transform the darkest places. So the first thing is, are there people that you have ruled out of the grace of God? Maybe you've not said it to their faces, but you've gone, you know, I know... I know God changes lives, but they are just too messed up. I know God is the God of the impossible, but they are, they are too impossible. God, we've been praying for this person for six years, and still they're doing the same things they were doing six years ago. Why don't we pray for someone else? You know, Maybe we've been there. And I think this passage is an encouragement to us. To persevere in prayer, in faith and witness, because where God brings miraculous transformation, salt water becomes fresh. Where there is no chance of life, where the Spirit of God flows, there is life. And that's the gospel that we've got to believe. Because that's the gospel that changed our lives. You know, we were, we were way beyond hope, weren't we? Till God intervened. Don't give up on people that you may have ruled out of the grace of God. And the second thing, maybe a bit more for personal application, is have you let the river flow into all the areas of your life? Honestly. Have you let the river of God and his spirit of transformation flow into your whole being? Or in the beautiful town of Lim with an amazing dam, have you built a dam? up against God wants to do in you and therefore through you? Have you built a dam to God's transformation in your life? Where is there stagnation and death rather than transformation? There's people, this might sound really wrong to say it, I'm going to say it anyway, Um, but there's people that I I know or that I see, and and I think honestly, sometimes I see less of God in them now than I did a year ago. Am I allowed to say that? Stagnation. And you see, you know, you see people who once were flying and were reading their Bible and were bringing words and testimonies and encouragement, and you know, now they maybe make it to one service in three. Not that it's all about attending a service, but that's a, that can show where your heart's at, can't it? Because there's other stuff that's more important than God, other stuff that's more important than connecting with God's people. And you know that you see, you can sort of get a glimpse into life and you think, there's less of God in you now than there was a year ago. We're meant to be being transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. Where is the stagnation rather than transformation? The thing about water that isn't fresh is it stinks, doesn't it? It stinks. You know, sometimes I... I do the washing up in our house and sometimes I forget to empty the bowl. You know? And and you come down in the morning and you go, what is that smell? Oh, it's the, it's the, it's the, the washing up water. It stinks. I do rinse them, by the way. Um... <laughs> But where is there stagnation in your life? Where is there stagnation in your life? If you're not sure, ask someone who knows you. Because they'll be able to tell you where there is stagnation in your life. Maybe today God wants to in love draw our attention to our own lives, to where you're at, to get us to stop and say, Son of man, do you see this? and to bring down the dams that we've built up while our faith and our witness and our being ambassadors for Christ has stagnated a bit is a secret sin that needs dealing with that's the thing about the dead sea isn't it it looks okay it looks okay but what is under the surface is death is a secret sin that needs dealing with needs God's river to come in and bring complete transformation. I'm not talking about diluting sinful habits or, or sin management. Because that's that's good, isn't it? I don't do that as much as I used to. I'm a bit nearer. But we're talking about the complete transformation of God's presence, where salt water becomes fresh. I'm just throwing these out there as invitations, but... Is there lust? Is there envy? Is there gossip? Is there critical spirit? Is there bitterness? Is there self-pity? Is there addiction? Is there pornography? Is there domestic abuse? Is there greed? Is there lack of financial integrity? God wants to make the salt water become fresh. He doesn't want to dilute it. He wants to bring complete transformation. Sin management is not the way forward. This is just who I am. This is how God made me is not the way forward. God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. That's the truth. That's what the cross is about. And today I believe God wants to say, pull the dam down and let the river of God that brings complete transformation in. Deal with what's under the surface and let the spirit of God in. It might be painful. The refining fire of God can be a painful place, can't it? But what comes out the other end is beautiful, is amazing, is God-honoring and glorifying. Let's bring our salt water lives and let the river of God that brings miraculous transformation come and do what God loves to do. He wants to make us new creations. Even where the sea is very salty, God can bring total transformation. He can make it fresh. And maybe we've been living beyond that thought and going, yeah, we'll just deal with it, we'll manage it, we'll keep it under wraps. At least I'm better than I was. God wants to bring total transformation. He doesn't want to dilute the salt, he wants to make the salt water fresh. Uh, Last point. This seems to grab my attention. Quick one, this. Wherever the river flows, there is life and there will be fish of many kinds. And it strikes me in this passage that there's a, a diversity of fish that are drawn uh, to the life of God's Spirit, different backgrounds, different histories, upbringings, all sorts. I'm not. I'm not about to go down a liberal route. In case you're getting a little bit twitchy in your chair, um, or in case that really disappoints you, but um, I think the challenge of this. This part of the passage is that there are many kinds of fish that are drawn to the river of God. And that we would be a people who are ready to welcome and engage with those who are culturally different to us. That we'd be people who welcome people as they are. I don't know what a limb person looks like, but I've got an interesting cross-section here. And are we going to be people who welcome people who aren't like us? Are we going to be people who connect and make the effort with people who aren't like us? Uh, Let's not be people who don't expect non-Christians to behave like Christians. We're not here to tell unbelievers how they should behave. We're here to introduce people to Jesus and let God work in their hearts and lives. Our church, honestly, is getting messier by the year. Because because there's people from all different sorts of backgrounds, cultures, you've got old village families, you've got estate families, you've got, we grew up in a good Christian home families, you've got, we, we didn't even think the church existed families. And uh, it's a bit messy. It's a bit messy. But let's not be people who are there to Tell them how to start behaving and how to dress and how they should look. We're here to introduce people to Jesus. We're here to welcome people. We're here to love people. We're here to invest in people. Let's not be a people whose underlying message is, you are really welcome as long as you're pretty much already quite like us. Let's be a people who know how to love the unlovable. Let's be people who know how to love people who are totally different to us. That as we love them, as we care about them, we can then enable them to get into the river of God's transforming spirit. Actually, our welcome could be what draws them into God's transforming spirit. So, where is the river flowing outside the building? Are you making space to stop so that God could say, do you see this? Where is there salt water, death, stagnation in your life where actually we need to once again open ourselves up to God's transforming spirit and let the salt water become fresh by his power? And will we be people ready to welcome and love and nurture those who are not like us? That fish of many kinds would be drawn to the river of God flowing through limb through his people here. Wherever the river flows... There is life. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your, your word spoken to Ezekiel that encourages us and challenges us. That even in the place of death, Lord, in the places where nothing can live or thrive, Where your spirit works, there is transformation. There is life. There is the miraculous power of God at work. And Lord, I pray that for this church here, Lord, that your spirit would flow through each person here who loves you beyond this building into neighbourhoods, into streets, into workplaces, into communities, that every person here would be a life-giving ambassador for you. And I pray that you'd make us people who uh, stop to see where you're at work, to follow your lead. And I pray that you'd make us a people who, with humility, uh, bring our sin, bring our mess, bring our rubbish to you, That God, we wouldn't just be ambassadors for you with our voices, but we'd be ambassadors for you with our whole lives. Lord, that what's on the surface and what's below the surface would all honour you and glorify your name. That our lives would be changed from the inside out. That our lives would be a letter representing you. Lord, fill us afresh with your life-giving spirit. Lord, highlight those areas that you want us to bring to the cross again. Highlight those areas that you want us to bring before you once more, that you could do a work in us, that we could represent you well. Lord, not that our representing you makes you love us, but actually, Lord, because you love us, we want to represent you well. Because we love you, we want to represent you well. Lord, stir us, challenge us, and show us where you want to work. Give us the courage to let you work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.